If, in fact, I hadn't really, I suppose I hadn't realised the tie-in because you don't know how these things are going to go, but I want to talk to you this morning about kingdom connection. Kingdom connection. If you want to get on in life, okay, in whatever sphere that is of your world, then you need more than just ability. You can have all the ability in the world. You could be the greatest guitarist or have the best voice in the world and never achieve anything with it without the right connections. You could be the most intelligent person in the world. You could have all the qualifications, all the letters after your name and yet never amount to anything because of the lack of the correct, the right connections. You could be the best looking person in this church, in this town even. Can I say city? I want to call Warrington a city. I want to start, can we start calling Warrington a city? Can we just do that in faith? You could be the best looking person in this city and still not get that boy or that girl because you need a kingdom connection. In fact, me and Vicky coming together, because obviously I was the best looking boy in this city 20 years ago, and me and Vicky, yeah, but I'd moved to Warrington. I was working in Warrington. And, and me and Vicky only came together through a kingdom connection who sat in this room near the back and kind of just started moving things around and, and getting things going. You need kingdom connection if you want to get on. When I was younger, not long after meeting Vicky and Started off on our, 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 our adventure in life, a bit like Hannah and Chase right now. And I, I, I'm, I'm a fully qualified teacher, okay? A bit like a couple of the guys in here this morning. I've got the PGCE and the degree and all that kind of stuff and the experience and everything. And I did all of that. But what many of you don't know is that I didn't start out like that. My teaching career started without a degree and without a teaching qualification, which is nigh on impossible, that's actually nigh on impossible. Now, so let me tell you, there was no deception that went on. It wasn't like I kind of went there and, and just rocked up at a school and pretended to be a teacher. That wasn't what happened. So what happened was, I, I've shared th- certainly this first part before. We had a, a, a boy who was sent to us in distress. He was being beaten by his stepfather. And bizarrely, we'd not been married long. He was 16 in his last year of school. And he came to live with me and Vicky for a period of time for some respite. So we're looking after him he'd been kept off school for an entire year and so I started just tutoring him I'd I'd given up my previous career when I came into the church given up it wasn't really a career I'm probably I am exaggerating there but anyway and I wasn't really doing an awful lot with my life at that time I was just kind of glad to be a Christian and just getting on with that and really waiting on God to speak to me and then I started tutoring this lad and it became obvious that I needed that I had a gift to teach so then I started praying about it, felt like God was speaking to me and God said, I want you to teach, you're going to be a teacher. And so I started on that, on that journey of becoming a teacher, went to university and, and all of that stuff that, that goes on with it. And what happened, I'd literally only just started university and there was a guy in the church, a kingdom connection, anyone remember Sigmund? 
Yeah, some of you remember Sigmund. Some of you guys all know what happened. Sigmund worked at a place in Ellesmere Port that trained the apprentices for INEOS and all companies like that around the Northwest, ICI and, and all those companies. And they needed a, a teacher just for a short period of six weeks. So Sigmund knew what I was doing. He knew I was doing a math degree. It was a math teacher they were looking for. And he asked me to go over and do some teaching there. It was teaching teachers teaching trainers so I'm like pretty nervous went in there and just rocked it I'm not exaggerating when I say just rocked it so much so that at the end of the six weeks and I can't believe this is a coincidence that the math teacher who was there doing the HND left literally at the end of the six week spell that I was doing and guess who they turned to to ask to do the job they knew they didn't have a qualification asked me to do it further education so it was okay and it was acceptable so I'm doing a degree while I'm teaching people the stuff I'm learning at the same time that's almost unheard of but this is what happened and and this is kingdom connection when something happens that's impossible but God makes a way and he does it through kingdom connection. And that can be through people. That can be in this situation. This was a godly man who just, who just he, he had a heart. I didn't just teach there. I, I, I literally, after a year, I'm teaching at Warrington Collegiate. I'm doing two different teaching jobs. I've not even got a degree and I've not even got a teaching qualification. It's incredible. I got that many years later. And the other thing about it that I've got literally written down here in my notes is this, I didn't deserve it. That's really important to know, right? I didn't deserve it. Now that's not just me, I'd love to have the kind of real, like get up here and be like, I just didn't deserve it. It was emotional when I wrote those words down, I didn't deserve it. And, but now it's a few hours later or a few days later and so on. And, and, but you need to know, I didn't deserve it. This is not just like, oh, you know, let's say it sounds good. I didn't deserve it. God just stepped in and transformed my life. And one of the major ways, I had the ability. I was gifted with maths and, and so on. And, and, and that was proven in, in how I did and all of that stuff. But I still didn't deserve it. But God made a way. He opened the door. And if you want to get on in life... Your looks, your ability, your qualifications, all of those things. You could have everything. But without the right connections, you will not succeed. You will not succeed. You will never fulfill your calling. God demands, demands that it is done through kingdom connection as well. As well. It has to be like that because God is all about relationship. This is the, we're getting to the finale of our season about relationship. And God's heart is all about relationship. And He wants us to be in relationship with each other. But more importantly, or well, in, only just more importantly, and I say that advisedly based on God Himself and what Jesus said, only just more importantly, with him. He wants us to have deep, meaningful connections and relationship with him and with each other. That is vital to God and he demands it. Jesus, great example with Jesus of kingdom connection. So the very beginning 
of Jesus' ministry. Some of you will know, some of you will have heard this preached before. Jesus' ministry kind of began, or if you like, the training of his, for his ministry, the final piece of the jigsaw. It wasn't in some fancy college. It wasn't at the feet of the, the scribes and the Pharisees or anything like that, the, the religious greats. It was in a desert, in the middle of nowhere. Him on his own. That was Jesus' training, it was final training anyway, for his ministry. Not really glamorous, was it? Anyway, Jesus, he, 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 he did his 40 days and his 40 nights in the wilderness and he had his tempting and all of that stuff. Many of you know it and if you're not, go and read it and you can read it in Luke. Anyway, at the end of it, Jesus then started on his ministry. And the first place he headed to was his hometown. He headed home. And on the way, on his way home, he's, he's traveling there and he's, he's clearly speaking to people and he's preaching and he's teaching on his way. Even on his way home, just to start his ministry. His ministry, you could say, started back at home. But on his way, he's going on and everyone's amazed by his teaching. They are astounded by his teaching and who he is. So much so that by the time he gets home, it says something really interesting actually in Luke 4. And it says this, it says, he turned, he, and I'm paraphrasing it slightly, but basically he turned up and he went to church on Sunday. He went to church on Sunday, as he did every Sunday. That's what it says. I'm paraphrasing it, but that's what it says. It was his custom. He went to church on Sunday, as he did every Sunday. Jesus went to church. He went to church. Now, there was a, a, a culture, it was slightly different to our church. They didn't have the lights that we have. It was slightly different, although, uh, uh, yeah, they were probably better than ours because ours are pretty poor at the moment, but they will get better. But anyway, you didn't have the Christmas trees and all this kind of stuff and the projectors and the amps and everything, none of that stuff. What he had was, he did have a, an iPad kind of thing, though, at the time. And, and so Jesus picked up the iPad and he started scrolling <laughs> As you do on an iPad. Yeah, the jokes don't get any better than that, I'm afraid. But hey, we'll go with that because that's about as good as it's going to get. I don't do jokes very well from the pulpit. Uh, you know, I can be a funny, funny guy, but jokes, they just seem to fall flat. But anyway, so Jesus takes the iPad and, and he, he's given it, he's given a, a particular scroll. Sorry, I've got an itch. Don't, don't worry about it, it's just an itch. Anyway, so he's given the scroll and he, he picks it up and it's in Isaiah where he's told to speak from. So he picks up the scroll and he starts to read. So let's read what Jesus read because it's really significant what he read. It's in Luke chapter 4 and it will go, I'll go, I've not got these first verses up but I'll just get a little bit of preamble. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. Yeah. Okay and it says this verse 18. I think we're going to get this up on the screen for you. The spirit of the Lord. Anyone know these verses? Yeah. Famous verses. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. That the blind will see. That the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And then it says he rolled up the scroll. He turned off the iPad and he handed it back. 
right? That verse, just those few words there are significant. He stopped at that point. It's significant where he stopped and that he stopped there, that he didn't carry on. Now at this point, the the guys in the church are all really made up with Jesus. They've given him the, the subject matter to teach on and he's taught or he's reading it and he's about to start teaching on it. And he does teach on it. But what he teaches on it is kind of not what they would expect him. Now they know, or they knew at that point, that those verses, they were talking about the coming Messiah. Now this was a big deal to Israel, right? Israel, okay, underdogs. They're underdogs, a bit like United yesterday. And... (laughs) You know, like a mid-table club and they're just... No, sorry, I'm that, that, that was naughty, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> we're just loving it because Liverpool are doing well at the moment. But anyway, they're, they're underdogs. Israel are underdogs, right? They're struggling. They're always struggling. They're always up against it. They don't deserve anything great, but God picks them out. A, a nation that's nothing, a person that's nothing, and turns him into a nation. And only by God's sovereign power do they achieve anything and ever become great. And they do become great. In Solomon's day, they are the the greatest nation on the planet. Other queens are coming to visit them because they're that great. But it's only by God's sovereign power because Israel are just underdogs all the time. And they've hit a point in the history. Many of you will know the history. It's kind of checkered Israel's history. They have highs and then lows and then highs and then lows. And it just goes on and on and on like that. It's a proper roller coaster ride. They keep messing up. And God keeps calling them back. Anyone feel like that? I just keep messing up. I just keep getting it wrong. Uh, God, you, I ever, ever kind of, God, you, you chose me. You must have known what you were doing because, wow, what were you thinking? Uh, I, yeah, wow, I can only trust that you are God. Yeah, anyway. And it's, they're just a mess. And they know they're a mess. So this promise of a Messiah is so important to them. Because he's going he's gonna to do this. He's going to free them. They're an oppressed people at this point. The Roman Empire are ruling them and they're they're mistreating them and they're telling them what they can and can't do. This proud nation. And they've got this promise that the Messiah is coming and he's going to free us from this, this captivity, from these oppressors. And Jesus gets up. He's suddenly the hero of the day. He's all over Instagram. He's all over Twitter. Everyone's talking about him. And he comes to their church. Back to his hometown. They know him. And they just think he's speaking about who's to come until he says this. That's me. You know these verses that I'm reading? That's me. Not, not me, me. Not, not me here, right? Jesus, yeah. That's me. He stands there and tells them, that's me. Now, it's a, I don't understand this bit, right? Because it says in verse 22, it says, Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. This is after he said to them, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. I can only assume that they don't realise what he's actually saying at this point. They're about to, in a few seconds... 
And they really do because it all kicks off. But at this point, they don't really get it, surely, because they're speaking well of him. They're all made up and everything. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? I don't understand it. I can't get my head around it, and I don't really need to, to be quite frank. Because there's another point that I want to really get across from this message that is powerful. It's so powerful. He says, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum, but I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. In other words, what he's saying is, you want me to do miracles here to prove who I am, to my qualifications. You want to see my qualifications. You want to see my credentials. You want me to do miracles to prove who I am. Well, he ain't going to. I'm not going to do that. I'm not a performing monkey. I'm not going to do that for you. I I don't think he said that, to be fair. Let's be honest about it. I doubt very much he said that. What he says next. Wow. This puts the cat amongst the pigeons, what he says next. What, what What he says right now, this next just short paragraph it, it, it really, and, and this is, yeah. Wow, listen to this. He says, certainly there were many needy widows, this is verse 25, in Israel in Elijah's time. When the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. There was loads of needy widows in the land. In Israel. Where they are. In that town, in that land, in that city, in that place, in that country. There were many needy widows. Listen to what he says next though. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Wow. They're all, remember, they're all waiting for this Messiah who's going to come to their aid. Not their enemy's aid. As a Liverpool fan, it'd be like Kenny coming back and going and transforming Man United and sorting them out. What are you doing? What? And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha. But who did he heal? The commander of the enemy's army. He healed the commander of the enemy's army. Ignored all the lepers in his own town, in his own city, and went and healed the commander of the enemy's army. What? What? Now they understand the significance of this and what he's saying and where he stopped. The point that he stopped. And they go mad. Ever had someone turn on you? And they just just do everything they can to bring you down. They just want to kill you. They want to kill you. They wanted to kill 
Jesus. So much so that they all got together and they pushed him to the edge of a cliff. He's on the edge of a cliff. And they're about to push him off in rage, in anger. They are furious at him. Not only have you just said that you're the Messiah... You've basically said you've not come to save us from the oppressed. But basically what you're saying is, what, what are you going to do? You're going to go and help the Romans? Is that what you're trying to tell us? What about us? Have you not come here for us to help us, to save us? They go insane. They are overcome with rage and anger. And then this incredible thing, if this story isn't powerful enough just to really give us another point to draw out and hammer this message home, he suddenly vanishes. They're, they're literally, they're about to push him off the cliff, right? And, and, and suddenly, he just walks through them. He, he's, he's here. They've, they've backed him up, right? And, and they're like this. Yeah, and they're all in front of him. And, and he's backed up and they're trying to push him off. I don't know, I'm guessing it might have gone like this. Probably didn't, but let's pretend for a minute, right? And they're there and, and, and then he just, he just kind of, he just meanders through and just walks through them and walks off and he's gone. He's just gone, he's vanished. I, I don't know how he did that. We could guess. Maybe he was just so unassuming that, he, in fact, the Bible says that he didn't look particularly anything significant. Here's the thing what I want to draw out from this. I, I, I'm going to say this now so I don't forget to say this. You cannot have law. You cannot have the law and have Jesus. Don't expect to be all rules, regulations, law, 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 this, that, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do the other, and all this stuff, and have Jesus. They don't go. They, they don't go. That's what these guys were like, and, and he's right there in front of them, and they don't even know he's there. It's a bit like when it says you, you could see, uh, you, you could entertain an angel and not even know it. You cannot have law and have Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that God is like all anarchy and just do what we want and that's all fine. No, there's a, there's a higher law. It's the law of love. And that law of love, wow, that's the most powerful law there is. If you uphold that, if you uphold the law of love to, to God and to your brother and sister, you won't get a thing wrong. You won't, you won't put a foot wrong. Not a foot wrong. You'll, you'll breeze through life. You'll have plenty of people who hate you and want to persecute you and all of that stuff. But it says in the Beatitudes that you're blessed when that happens. So believe it. It's tr it's tr honestly, it's true. You, some, some, one or two of you know what we've been through this last 12 months. And, and some of you don't. Some of you know a little bit. And, and, and the amount of vile hatred and bitterness and attacks and people just want, wanted to kill us, basically. That, that's not an exaggeration. I'm not paraphrasing when I say wanting to kill us. 
and 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 literally just that and but but what what am I going to do what am I going to do when 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 persecution comes right what, what am I going to do what what do we do do we give up do do we just roll over do we do we stop do we what do we do I tell you what I do I, I pray that's what I do. I go back to God and I say, I say things like, hey God, you, you know that stuff you said to me? Like, like, I can remember you saying this and that and that. Have I, have I got this wrong? Was that right? Just, can we just square this off? I, I, you, know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a bit mad. And, and God's like, no, no, no. I said that stuff. It was me who said that stuff to you. It was me. I'm like, okay, God, right, okay. Then I've, I've got to hold on to it, God. I'm scared, but I, I, I've got to hold on to it. I've got to hold on to it. In fact, just literally a couple of days ago, can I read you something? That are, that, that I, I, I put this in my kind of personal journal. And um, wow. Whew. Where's it gone? Oh, it's not showing on there. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Psalm 91. Oh, so actually, no, Psalm 94. Psalm 91 as well, but, oh man. Verse 18, I cried out, I am slipping. What a prayer. Yeah. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm slipping. Like, almost like I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, the thing that's holding on to me is just gonna suddenly, that connection's gonna go and I'm just gonna slide into the abyss But your unfailing love, O oh Lord, supported me. When doubt filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. God says stuff like that to me. Did he say, any, did he say that stuff to you? I, I'm assuming he does to some of you. He says stuff like that to me. Like, like just in the middle of it, when I, and then he'll go like, you know, and I'm like, I'm slipping. And he's like, there you go. I've read that. Like, wow. Oh my goodness, he's incredible. He's incredible. He's just unbelievable. Wow. So Jesus giving these verses and but these guys can't see him. They can't see him when he's reading it out in front of them. They don't realize he actually is the Messiah. They they can't see him when they're trying to kill him. He just suddenly disappears and vanishes. Because you can't have law and have Jesus. You don't seem too convinced by that. I don't mind saying it. It's fine. You don't, I, I, it feels like I need to convince you a bit more that you can't have law and have Jesus. Right? He was stood in front of them and they couldn't see him. Time and time again, he was stood in front of them and they couldn't see him. I'm on about that law that just wants, it doesn't, it, it's anti-grace. The law came through Moses, it says, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus 
Christ. This is good news. This is good news right here, right now. Anyone holding out for a promise? Anyone struggling? Anyone still waiting on something? Anyone like you, you, you slipping? You're in the abyss and you know you don't deserve it. You don't even deserve to be saved. You don't even deserve to be rescued. You probably deserve the stuff that, that wants to come and get you. But like, who wants that anyway? No one wants the bad stuff to happen, do they? And like, it's grace. It's grace. It's grace, it's unearned, it's undeserved. God just does it. That's undeserved. That's how God rolls. That's how Jesus works. That's what he does. It's not just you do good and then he does good back to you and that keeps on going. And if you slip up, you don't get the good back. Yes, don't get me wrong. When you do good things, there are good things that happen and that's okay. But there's grace, there's grace, there's grace. And some of you, it feels like you, you, you're like, oh man, it's all over. It's all over. There's some, some of you in here and you feel like it's all over. Let me tell you, you've got to today. You've got to today. You arrived here this morning. You're here right now or you're listening on the podcast. You've took the time to listen. You've given God another chance and he's speaking to you right now and he's saying, I love you. He's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. But, but, but what do you want? Do you want my law or do you want my grace? You can't have both. Do you want my law or do you want my grace? What do you want? Who wants law? <laughs> right, my enemies want law, but they want it for me, not for themselves. <laughs> Anyone else know that? <laughs> oh man, it's like they want it. They want <laughs> it's just crazy, isn't it? They want they want law for everyone else, but not for themselves. Like no, no, not me. <laughs> just for them just for those people I don't like wow <laughs> oh man so he stood in front of them and here's the thing I think about this you know when he's reading this out from uh, can we read it again because there's such beautiful verses Whew. listen to this the spirit of the sovereign Lord or the, of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. These guys who he was saying these words to knew what the Messiah was going to look like. Think about that for a moment. They knew he was going to be born of a virgin. They knew when he was going to come. There's a prophecy in Daniel. I'm going to preach this again. I did preach it once. There's a prophecy in Daniel 9, Daniel 10, when Jesus, we were talking about this the other, the other week, when, when, sorry, not Jesus, when the archangel, and is it Michael or Gabriel who turns up? I think it's Gabriel who turns up and Michael has to help him out to get there or the other way around. And, and he basically turns up and rocks up with this incredible prophecy that predicts the year that Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, like 400 and odd years before it happens. And you can check it out and you can go to historical records. It is accurate to the year. There's seven years left there than what it talks about in Revelation. For anyone who's read that stuff. They knew when he was going to come. If they'd bothered to look. If they wanted to know. If they wanted the Jesus that God wanted to send them. But they didn't. They didn't. It's not what they wanted. They wanted the God that they wanted. 
They wanted the Messiah that they wanted. They, they wanted the Messiah from the bits that they'd picked out the Bible that suited their agenda, suited where they were at and all of that stuff. Guess what? God doesn't always do it the way we want it to, guys. Do you know that? Sometimes you, some of you are just waiting and you're like, oh man, it's just that God's doing it a different way. He's just not doing it the way you want him to do it. Roll with him. Go with it. What he's got for you will be better than what you had in mind. I promise you that. It'll be far, far superior. It'd be so incredible. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And do you remember the next bit that comes? Do you remember the next bit? What comes next? And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. Do you know that that's the rest? That's the next bit. That's the next bit. But Jesus doesn't read that. He's scrolling with his iPad. And then he goes, he gets to that bit. And he hits the off button. And they knew. They knew exactly where he'd stopped. They knew exactly why he'd stopped there. And they didn't get Jesus. They didn't get their Savior. Could you imagine this? Is anyone, if, if we said, right, okay, God has spoke to, and we're never going to say this because this, this, you know, for, for lots of reasons. Like, hey, God's coming next Sunday. Jesus is literally going to be here next Sunday. We're not like, you know, we all say, oh yeah, Jesus is here every week and all that. No, he's actually coming in the flesh. He's going to be here next Sunday. He's doing a book signing. You can shake hands with him and all that kind. Could you imagine? I reckon it would be chocker in here. What do you think? Like, and you believed it. You know, like there was some massive sign that appeared in the sky, you know, out of the stars. And it said, hey, Jesus is coming to Hope Church next Sunday. Right? It'd be chocker this week, next Sunday, wouldn't it? I don't think anyone would be late. The, the kind of work commitments that you've got, you, I reckon they'd take a back seat. And I reckon that everyone would be here and, and all that stuff. Yeah? yeah? And yet, Jesus stood there right in front of them. Yeah. They know what he's going to be like because it's written there for them. And yet, he stood right in front of them and they can't see him. And they miss him completely. You can't have law and have Jesus. We're Christians. Some of us, aren't we? Yeah? You, you, some of you are, are pronouncing law on yourselves. That's the, that's the big problem here. You're pronouncing law on yourselves. Probably had a good motive. You're probably feeling like all this whole, you know, I'm not worthy stuff. And, and that's okay. Jacob prayed that. He, when Esau was coming to get him, Jacob prayed, Lord, I am not worthy of the unfailing love that you've shown to your servant. I am not worthy. But he didn't stay there. It wasn't like the end of it. It wasn't like, so now strike me down now, Lord. It was no, I'm scared, Lord. He's coming for me. My family, he's coming to get me. Save me. He didn't stay there. I'm slipping. So I'm just going to let go and say my goodbyes now, Lord. Is that what the psalmist said? No. 
No, yes, no, no. No, he didn't, did he? You can't be pronouncing law on your life, on yourself, and have Jesus. So what do we do? We pronounce grace. Unmerited favor. Unearned blessings on our lives. We come boldly to the throne of grace and we say, Jesus, we say, God, you promised. God, you promised. Your word says that your light is a lamp unto my feet. That the, 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 my days are going to get better. My latter years will be greater than my former years. You promised me unending love, forgiveness. Not once, not twice, but over and over again. You promised me things. You promised me a, a, that you've got a plan and a purpose for my life. That you know the plans and the purposes that you've got for my life. You promised them to me and I'm holding on to them. And I'm bringing them back to you now and I'm saying, God, I want them. I want them. But you can't, you, you can't just have that stuff if you're sitting in law, wallowing, moaning, complaining, negative, bitter, down. You need Jesus in your life. You need His sun rays in your life. You need His brightness, His light in your life to shine on you and put a smile on your face, to lift your head up high, to get you to carry on and keep on fighting. No matter what, no matter where you are, no matter how bad it looks, keep on going, keep on going. Never give up. Love always hopes, always believes. It never stops. Never give up. Never give up. Because the promises that we have. Some of you, if you had a cast iron, an email. Or you had a letter. Or you had something else. Or a contract. That would make you happy. That would be, oh it's fine now because I've got a contract. So that's okay, it's all fine. And it's all alright. But when God says to you, it's going to be okay, that's not enough. It's like, well, God, I'll be happy when I see the contract in front of me in black and white, you know, when the guy turns up with it or whatever. Yeah, God's like, hold on. So you trust him more than me. His word is greater than my word. What, that bit of ink on that bit of paper means more to you than me and what I say. You can't have law and have Jesus. It's all or nothing. It's grace. It's grace. And it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. It'll transform your life. Wow. Yeah, you'll have dark days and there'll be tough times and it'll be hard at times. It'll be difficult and you'll feel down. You'll feel like you're slipping sometimes. You'll feel like you, it, it, it's all going to fall apart and whatever. But you won't stay there because you'll go back to God. You'll be like, God, what have you got? What do you say? What's your word? Because I believe you. I believe he always wins. 
Need the love of God? Keep playing the twinkly bits as you do so well. I'm not finished yet. We're going to go over. We don't normally go over, but I'm, we're going to go slightly over. Not too much, but we are going to go slightly over. Because just some stuff I, I really need to just get out this morning. We just need to get it. Let's kind of summarize it. Can't have law and have Jesus. Fresh water and salt water don't mix. It's got to be grace. All grace. If you want the law, you, Jesus is, is off the table. He's, 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 he might, he's probably there. You just won't be able to see him. You could have all the blessing and you'll miss it. You won't even know it's there. Right in front of your eyes and you'll miss it. God will do it. The second point, his own way. Some of you are struggling to see God because you want him to do it the way that you think he should do it. And he's not and it's going a different way. And you're thinking God's not there. When he is, he's just doing it a different way. He's just not sending his vengeance on your enemies. He's just not doing this and doing that. Don't get angry with him. Stick with him. Stay with him. Think about those verses that say, hey, we have to forgive. With the judgment you judge on others, that will come back on you. And faith. Oh man. If I could give you a gift, if I could give you just one gift, it will be the gift after salvation, talking to Christians in the place, it would be the gift of faith. The gift of faith. More concrete than any contract. Greater than any nation. Greater than any authority. Than any power. Greater than anything. The most powerful thing you could have in your life is faith. Faith, faith, faith. Belief is a a, a subset of faith. Faith believes. It believes God's word. It believes his promises. And the last one. Jesus went to church on a Sunday. You can listen to all the, or the Sabbath. Yeah, you can listen to, but it was his Sunday, wasn't it? You know, he, it, this is the Lord's Day, by the way. This isn't the Sabbath. You do know that. This is the Lord's Day, which is Sabbath, Friday night, to Saturday night. But anyway, I wasn't trying to get too technical. But, all right. So Jesus went to church on the Sabbath. <laughs> but now he goes to church on the Lord's Day. <laughs> Sunday. And, you know, you, can, you could get on the podcast and you could listen to some great preachers out there. Some of them are as good as me. There's some, <laughs> joking, I'm joking. There's some great preachers out there, some incredible guys out there, some of them far greater than me, right? But here's the thing. That alone is not enough. If you've just listened to message after message from some guy you've never met and doesn't know you, You'll never get what you're meant to get. It's about relationship. 
The local church is so important. God want, He's got a work for us to do here in this place and He needs all of us. Team, no one's more important than anyone else. We are a team and we work together and we have an incredible, amazing church and we all come together and we bind together and we do it under the banner of God's name and we do incredible things. But we, you need to be in church on a Sunday. It's not enough just to listen to some podcast from someone else and that'll be okay. No, sacrifice. 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 Rock up on a Sunday. Me and my wife have done it. I, 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 I messaged Jeff and I said this. I said, it's, <laughs> do you know what? The Champions League final wouldn't keep me away from church on a Sunday. Nothing would keep me away from church on a Sunday. Amen? Let's stand. Come on.